Hello, Celia Jessen here with our science episode. But first it's time for the theme tune written by our neighbour's son, Oliver, on his tablet. Oh, welcome to our book club. It's going to be such fun with book reviews and interviews and japes for everyone. Celia, where's my Patagon? It's there behind your Niblix. What's this episode about? Science, like astrophysics. Ah, yes, black holes and quasars, all sorts of strange things happening. Perhaps we'll see another Big Bang. The chance would be a fine thing. Oh, oh listen, listen to, to our, our book club, club and, and you can, can judge its worth. We taped it in the library and it's called Wife on Earth. Earth. Shh! Oh, it's called Wife on Earth. Shh! Oh, hello. My name is Celia and I'm recording our podcast here in our local library. I know it sounds silly, me doing a podcast. After all, I'm only an ordinary housewife and mother. But what happened was this. You see, I've always wanted to join a book group, but there isn't one in Milton. And then I recently read a book by Andy Miller in which he talked about book groups, and he really put me off completely. I thought, well, I don't want to be recommending books that I love, only to have them dismissed out of hand by strangers, or to be forced to read books which I found objectionable. And so we decided to do a book group set in our local library where we just read what's lying around. So nobody can be hurt, and that's what we're doing. So today we're in the science section, which was Fred's idea. Fred is my husband. Um, it was all Fred's idea to be in the science section today. But he's not here yet. He's going to join us later with his book review. Currently he's at home sulking because I beat him at reverse eye. Honestly, it was a fluke. I'm not even sure of the rules. Anyway, today we're going to be reviewing a science book, a non-fiction book, which should please Fred. He says that fiction is just lying, basically. Anyway, we'll be reviewing The Planets which is by Andrew Cohen and Professor Brian Cox, who's off the telly. I remember doing the solar system at school with old Mrs. Grimshaw. She was terribly strict, Mrs. Grimshaw. Let me think now. Mercury, Venus, us, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune and Pluto. Except Pluto's not a planet anymore, is it? Poor little Pluto. Yes, I was never very good at the planets. I can never remember which one had rings. Or science at all, really. Except one time, old Mrs. Grimshaw was off for a week in hospital with a collapsed womb, and we had a supply teacher instead, Mr. Perry. Well, he was quite young for a teacher, a very tall young man with glasses and a lantern jaw, and he looked quite dashing in his lab coat. I remember once he said to the class, Hey, get a load of this, and threw a piece of zinc into a beaker of sulphur. There was a huge flash of white light and everyone screamed, and when the smoke cleared, there was Mr. Perry laughing uproariously, sans eyebrows. And just for a moment, I loved science. (laughs) Gosh, science and love, they don't really seem to go together at all, do they? For some reason, I'm reminded of last week. Last week. Last week. I can't remember why. Something to do with this book, The Planets, by... Andrew Kern and Professor Brian Cox. Perhaps I'd better check my diary. Oh, here we are. Friday. Nothing dramatic to report. This morning's headline on the front of the Echo is Garden Centre Name Change. And according to Mrs Coyle, there's a new man working at the chemist who's a bit of a dish. Big deal. It's of no consequence. Oh, dear. Saturday. Well, it turns out that the Splendido Garden Centre in Lower Upping still stocks the same trays of marigolds and won't be doing away with the purple sensation any time soon, so we can all breathe easy. When I got back home, 
Fred was filing down a lollipop stick to make counters for his latest invention, a game called Where's My Five? Well, I thought to myself, if it's anything like his previous What's Your Four, he'll have to find a new opponent. But I didn't say anything. Anyway, he must have been huddled over his tiny tool for far too long, because when I returned with a cup of tea, he was prone, his head sticking out of the shed door and his legs across his drawing board, like a dramatic and thrilling discovery in an episode of something Swedish on Netflix. Only this was lower upping, not Stockholm, and it was just boring old Fred with indigestion. So, dear diary, I'm just nipping out for some liver salts or some such. I'd completely forgotten about Mrs. Cole's gossip until I arrived at Staines the Chemist and was immediately faced with a new man. He was nothing to write home about. From the way Mrs. Coyle had gone on about him, I had expected to be greeted by a man who looked like Paul McCartney crossed with Robert Redford, with perhaps a dash of Fred McMurray. Really, he was a bit of a pipsqueak, with a fashionable haircut and tiny eyes like buttons. But when I stepped up to the counter, I noticed something rather startling. It was a cardboard planet, carefully cut out and stuck to the top of the Vicks Vapor Rub display console. Then I saw a whole solar system of cardboard planets dotted around the shop. Saturn by the corn plasters, Venus atop a pyramid of herbal dandruff shampoo, and you can probably guess what was next to the hemorrhoid preparations. It seemed most incongruous, and I couldn't for the life of me work it out. Why had the new chemist man made such dramatic changes? The universe is wonderful. Can I help you, madam? You're new, aren't you? I'm Celia. What happened to Mr Buller? He's been here since 1934. Oh, he's on a round-the-world trip. He asked me if I'd take over the shop in his absence, and I fancied a change of scenery, so here we are. I say, your accent. That's not a Kent accent, is it? <laughs> no, I'm from Manchester. Oh, gosh. Do you like my little display? Look over there by the foot powder. That's the planet Mars. If you look closer, you can see it's two moons, Phobos and Deimos. What, those balls next to the surgical stockings? That's right. In Greek mythology, Phobos and Demas were the twin sons of Eris, you know. Mm. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Well, how would I know that? I'm just an ordinary housewife. But why have you put up this display? Oh, no reason. It's just that the mysteries of the cosmos have always been a passion of mine, the, the beauties of the night sky. Come over here. You see that up in the sky? That's Venus, the morning star, first lady of the heavens. See how majestically she moves through her domain, wreathed in golden fire. Mmm, wonderful. Crikey. And see that tiny glimmer up there? That's Polaris, the north star. Light takes 680 years to reach us from there, so when it looks at us, it's seeing the Earth 680 years ago. Gosh, well, it's going to take them a long time to get to the Game of Thrones finale, isn't it? I suppose it is. I just think that it's beautiful, really. Also, it's a little quiz to keep the kids busy while Mum queues up for a Lysenoprol. Find all eight planets and win a lip salve. It's a bit of fun. I do love my lip salve. You know, I'm probably being silly, but... Well, you put me in mind of that chap off the telly, the scientist one who used to be in a pop group, who's always going on about quasars and black holes. Oh, yes. Yes, the one who's always leaning laconically on an observatory in a leather jacket in the Arizona desert. You remind me of him. Do I? Yes. And then I did something impetuous. I picked up a bath cube from the office basket and sniffed it for a moment. And suddenly I felt dizzy. And then I remembered I was talking to the chemist... It was like the science one off the telly. Yes, you remind me of him. Well, perhaps I am him. 
Perhaps I got tired of the tawdry world of show business and even more tawdry world of astrophysics and decided to move out here and start again as a simple pharmacist. Celia, it is Celia, isn't it? Yes. May I ask you a question? Yes. Would you like a cup of tea? What? And a bath bun. I have them delivered fresh from Bettersons and have a hot plate here by the counter, see? It's wonderful. Well, I'd love a cup of tea and a bath bun, but what do I call you? Call me... Call me Barry Carstairs. Yes, that's a fine name, an honest name. Here you are. Oh, thank you, Barry Carstairs. These bath buns are, are wonderful. Look how the sultanas in them glisten. They glisten like meteors in the horsehead nebula. Oh, Barry Carstairs. Let me give you a tear stir. Look how it swirls around it. It looks like a shimmering gamma ray burst as a blue giant explodes next to a brown dwarf. Barry Carstairs. Come away with me, Celia Jessen. I'll give up the shop and be a peripatetic travelling chemist selling pet pills and love tonic from town to town. You can come with me and man the cart. Oh, yes. And at night we can lie in the nearest field and gaze up at the constellations. The Great Bear, Orion's Belt, that funny bendy one that looks a bit like a willy. Barry Carstairs. Celia. Yes? I said, can I help you, madam? You've been staring to space for the last five minutes. Are you quite all right? Oh, yes, yes, I'm fine. I only came in for Gaviscon. Fred's got wind. Yeah, it'll be £1.15. And so I paid for the Gaviscon. And some of those throat pastels that they always place near the till and are so very tempting. And I ran. I ran and ran, hurrying from the shop, tears in my eyes. The chemist wasn't a famous telescientist and keyboard player, and he wasn't going to whisk me away. It had all been like a dream as I stood there blankly, no doubt drooling, like the man who stands outside Sainsbury's. I ran and ran back to Fred. When I got home, he was hoovering his computer keyboard. Hello, old girl. Hello, Fred. I've invented a new game. It's called This Is My Two. Ah, good, my Gaviscon. It'll help me do a belch, if we're lucky. Oh, Fred. Oh, and this Gaviscon box will come in useful later. I shall make a model of Keldids from it. Do you want to be Scarlet? Yes, please. But not for me, a Scarlet woman. Just a tiddlywink. Harmless and content. Like a tiny moon. What was that? Oh, nothing, Fred. I... I was simply being silly. I shouldn't have sniffed that bath cube. And so we played This Is My Two. Fred let me win. We had to march around the board, scoring in multiples of two, until we reached 180. Sort of like a flat game of darts. The winner is the first one to bed. It's more of an endurance test, really. Celia, are you quite all right, old girl? You seem a little despondent. Oh, no, no, I'm fine, Fred. I... Perhaps have a summer cold coming on, that's all. I'm in a little tizzy over the guy's jumble sale tomorrow. Well, never mind. Things can only get better. Yes. Yes, Fred. And so that concludes my book review. We're going to be hearing other book reviews in a minute from the other guests on today's show, but first a word from our sponsors. For the best palettes in the universe, come to Parrot's Palettes. Whether you're looking for a closed-deck plastic premium flexi-crates, or even heavy-duty three-leggers. Parrot's Palettes won't let you down. There's no better palette seller this side of Alpha Centauri. Inferior palette retailers on the starboard bow. Fire lasers. Enemy neutralized. Quote this advert and get your first 25 standard size wooden pallets for only £8.75 each. £8.75 does not compute 
parrots' palettes. They're out of this world. Our next stop with um, his review is local actor Russell Nigels. Oh, we are a big fan of, of Russell Nigels. He really is terrific. We first met him when we bumped into him at an amusement park, and we really hit it off right away. And we do wish he'd stop over in our spare room when he's here recording these parts, but he really will insist on leaving straight away. So, well, never mind. The invitation's always there. So, uh, anyway, over to Russell Nigels. Hello. Russell Nigels here. I apologize for any background noise you might be hearing, but I am speaking to you from backstage at a revival of Murder in the Vicarage at the Chesterfield Pomegranate, in which I am assaying the taxing role of man who comes to read the meter. But I'm not on until scene four, so we should be okay. Now, Celia has asked me to review this book, The Planets. I'm I'm not I'm not an expert on the planets, and I'm I'm much more familiar with the stars, <laughs> and uh, uh, by the stars I I I mean the stars of stage and screen. My fellow actors, a veritable constellation of theatrical magnificence. Actually, it's always seemed to me that each of the planets in the firmament has its corresponding great actor. Mercury is Gilgud, mellifluous and fleet of foot. Then comes Venus, goddess of love and refinement, none other than Dame Peggy Ashcroft. Earth is, of course, Laurence Olivier, dear Larry, that robust, practical, yet impetuous talent. Next we have Mars, that ruddy planet of war. Whom could it represent? Why, none other than Robert Morley. Then we come to that most quizzical idiosyncratic of the heavenly bodies, the doughty Jupiter. I don't think I have to tell you which actor corresponds to this celestial fear, do I? Ha! Do I? Two words, friends. Gary Wilmot. Yes, Gary Wilmot. And then we have Saturn, the great beringed behemoth could hardly be anyone else than Dame Maggie Smith, uh, with whom I worked once many years ago on an episode of Emergency Ward 10. Much love, Mags, if you're listening. Um, next we come to Uranus, cold, blue, glacial, unfortunately named. Take a bow, Edward Woodward! from beyond. And then Neptune, distant and calmly, like an ex-lover one only sees at funerals. It could only be Charles Dance. I hope it will not be thought egocentric if, for the last of the planets, the impish Pluto, I nominate myself. It may not be as big, as important as the others. It may not shine so brightly. But it is unquestionably as much a planet as any of them, and shall ever remain so. Now back to the book, The Planets, by Brian Cox and Andrew Cohen. In the th- Russell, what the hell are you doing? You've missed your cue. What? Jamie Thixton's been vamping for five minutes. Oh shit! Gotta go! Thixton doesn't have the skill set! Thank you, Russell. That really was wonderful. Uh, I do hope you can come back again next week and, and tell us what you think about our next book. Mm-hmm.
So here we are in the library's science section. Gosh, there are some hefty tomes here. What's this one called? An in-depth exploration of nodes. I don't know what that means. How about this one? Advanced quantum mechanics. <sighs> I must say, none of the mechanics I've ever encountered have been particularly advanced. I'm joking, of course. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, here beavering away, stacking a biography of Magnus Pike next to a pop-up book about herpes, is assistant head librarian uh, Marion. Uh, hello, Marion. Hi. Hello. Do you find non-fiction sections of the library like this are a little bit less popular than other sections, like romance, for example? Oh, no, quite the reverse. I've got hundreds of old ladies queuing up to take out the selfish gene by Richard Dawkins. I mean, the waiting list is as long as your arm. You're... you're, you're being sarcastic, aren't you? Well done. Though surely some of these books must be popular, with, with students, for example? Look... Nobody has ever got beyond page 12 of A Brief History of Time. Uh, Hawking might just as well have filled the rest of it with crude diagrams of his genitalia, for all I'm concerned. I say. Yeah, you know, uh, half these books have been discredited anyway. Uh, look, uh, for example, uh, for example, uh, here's one on, on global cooling. I mean, look at this. Phrenology for fun and profit. Oh, what a load of rubbish. Oh, wait a minute. What's that bloke over there doing with the card index? Oi! You! Marion Crooks, thank you. And now it's time to hear from my husband Fred about his thoughts on The Planets by Andrew Kern and Professor Brian Cox off the telly. Fred. Thank you. Now, I was never interested in astronomy as a child. I preferred simple manly pursuits such as cricket, boxing, brass rubbing and country dancing. There always seemed to me to be something a little rum about the telescope in being able to see things that one was perhaps never meant to see. After all, if the Almighty had meant us to get a good look at the moon, he would have put it closer, wouldn't he? Nevertheless, I welcomed the opportunity to review this a fact-based book. I dislike fiction. I've never made any secret of that. Why on earth would I want to subject myself to the diseased imaginings of another person's mind? As I'm fond of saying, there is nothing in the whole of literature that one cannot find in the pages of wisdom, mystery, intrigue, romance, science fiction. They're all there. So it was that I turned to this publication with a certain pleasurable anticipation. If nothing else, I thought it would provide me with an enviable supply of interesting facts for use in next month's pub quiz. It would take twelve and a half years to boil a kettle on Neptune, that sort of thing. The kind of titbit that one can use to break the ice at a conference, or a music colleague at a work's do. I suppose I was expecting something akin to the, the patter of Patrick Moore or James Burke, both of whom's programmes Celia and I enjoyed watching with a, a cup of cocoa during the early years of our marriage. Unfortunately, nothing could be further from the case, as this book appears to have been written by a couple of hippie beatniks, no doubt hopped up on goofballs and wacky-backy. On the very first page of Brian Cox's introduction, for example, it says, We are children of the Earth and also of the solar system. What in the name of Roy of the Rovers does that mean? And later on it just becomes propaganda for the Extinction Rebellion loonies. It's ozone layer this and greenhouse effect that. 
we're all doomed to burn to death, apparently, unless we switch to pedal cars and only turn the telly on between 7 and 9 p.m. Well, so-called Brian Cox and alleged Andrew Cohen, I have a piece of information for you. Man-made global warming is only a theory. I mean, I have a theory that they're putting less filling in custard creams, but I don't write a book forcing it down people's throats, do I? I was very disappointed with this book. One out of ten. One star, Fred. I think you should try writing a book. And that section was brought to you by our sponsors, Bleaker's Bathrooms. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Drexillians. Do not panic, we come in peace. Our own planet of Draxil lacks quality bathroom fixtures and fittings, and we have come in search of them. Initialising planet-wide scan. Our instruments indicate the best fixtures are found at Bleaker's Bathrooms in Seven Oaks, Kent. High-quality baths, sinks, taps and showers for low, low prices. What's this? Toilet seats from as little as $5.99. (gasps) Fellow Draxillians, we are saved. Let us rejoice. Now, humans, take us to your bleakers. This science episode of Wife on Earth was written by Joanna Neary and Joseph Nixon, with music by Pat McLean and Head Love, and performed by Anna Crilly, Ben Crompton, Robin Ince, Alistair Kerr, Pat McLean, Joanna Neary and Chris Sloman. This podcast was produced by Wife on Earth and is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network.